We are going to look at Jesus' call to the end time church, part two. And I pray you'll bear with me because I'm going to try and bring the two of them together without doing too much of a recap. Would you go to Revelation chapter three with me? And while you're looking that up, I just say that last song that wasn't on the playlist. <laughs> and I just thought, well, we'll go for it. And I shouted it to the guys, let's sing, play this. And so that's why the young ladies at the back had a, hadn't got it up. Um, but thankfully, as efficient as they are and as great as they are, they did. So well done. Uh, I just threw that on them at the end. Revelation chapter 3, please, beginning to read at verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and of need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten and be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You know, last week we looked at how these, uh, from Revelation chapter 2 and into Revelation chapter 3, we have seven churches that are mentioned. And you can read it over, we haven't time to go through it, but it starts with Ephesus. Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia. And then in our reading, we're at the, la the, the last church, the Laodicean church, or the church of the Laodiceans. Notice there are seven churches. And that's in the list of the end of the seven. And whenever we read this, we not only see from Revelation chapter 2 and 3 literal churches, that is, literal, literal uh, expressions of the body of Christ uh, around Asia Minor. But everything that happened in those churches and the letters that the Lord Jesus had written to the churches were actually not only happening in, at the churches at the time, but throughout history, they were happening also from the last 2,000 years. Starting at Pergamos, uh, pardon me, starting at Ephesus, right through Pergamos, the whole way through the Reformation right to the very evening. We are in the last of the last days, before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're convinced of it, that the Lord Jesus Christ will come uh, with great power and glory, and that he is coming. Uh, we believe soon. We don't know the day nor the hour. But notice this. In the list of the seven churches, the last one is the Laodicean church. It is known as the church of the laity. Or it is the church where people want to hear smooth things. People don't want to hear that they're sinners needing a savior. People don't want to hear about sanctification of life. People don't want to hear that they must walk before God and write before God. People don't want to hear about living a clean life and a, a holiness of life. And so they just want to hear smooth things. It's the pat me on the back and it's the tell me the 10 ways to have a blessed life and your best life today and all of these things that are evident throughout the church universal. Prosperity gospel comes in and the NAR, as we've mentioned last week, and all the ecumenical movements and the ecumenical services that are happening. And it's all drawing together, not only for a one-word government and a new world order, but all of these things are a great falling away, especially at this time before the coming of the Lord. The seventh church of Laodicea, now, seven is an important number. We mentioned it briefly last week, but let me just throw a few things out to you about the number seven in the Scriptures. Seven represents 
perfection and completeness in the scriptures. For example, as we said, the Laodicean church is the seventh church. Not only the seventh church mentioned in Revelation, between Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, but it's the last church that Jesus writes to. And that's the church today that you're in. It's the church that we're seeing, that we're hearing about. It's the church about all the newspaper clippings and all the things online, about all the apostasy and all the silliness and all the nonsense that are going on in the church that are not of God, that should never be the watering down of the word of God. For example, in Cana of Galilee at that wonderful wedding, the Lord Jesus turned water into wine. And it's like, he is turning the, the works of man, which man cannot do and showing the great miracle. It is, he's bringing the water of man and all he has and he's turned it into the wine of the gospel, the wine of blessing at the, at the marriage supper. And now man in the last days is reverting back and he is not looking for the, the gospel, but many are rather taking the wine of the truth of the word of God and of the gospel of the, the precious blood of Christ and they're turning it into man's water again. They're turning it and watering it down to things that are not in the scripture, nor are they faithful to it. No more blood on the book. You're too hard. You're not politically correct. Jesus is the only way, and you're, oh, you're, 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 you can't love other people if you say Christ is the only way to the Father. But here in CET, I want to tell you, church, Jesus is the only way. There is no other way but Christ and through Christ alone. For salvation, there is none other and there is none else. Now, we find here that the number seven is mentioned 735 times in the scripture. The number seven is mentioned 54 times in the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ alone. 54 times. The word sevenfold is mentioned six times. And the word seventh is mentioned 119 times, all in the scriptures, which is a total, if we put them all together, of 860 times references to something that is completed and finished. Something that is completed and finished. For example, seven is tied to creation. In other words, we find that the word of God says that God created the heavens and the earth and he rested on the seventh day, the Sabbath, seventh day. And for example, the first mention of the word seventh is in Genesis chapter two and verse two. It says, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made and rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. God had completed a perfect work in creation. And guess what? We ruined it. Adam ruined it. God stood back, as it were, and he rested, and he said, I have made the heavens, I have made the earth, and now he steps back to look at his perfect, finished creation. The fall of Adam became the death of Adam, became the death of you, and the death of me, and the judgment upon us all. The last mention in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 20 it speaks of one of the stones that represented the tribes of Israel was the chrysolite, and it was for the tribe of Simeon, and it was the seventh stone, and it's actually a golden stone. And gold usually speaks of deity in the scriptures. Now, it's no real reverence to, uh, relevance to Simeon here, but the chrysolite is strange because Jesus said to the end time church, I counsel thee to buy of me gold. It's tried in the fire. Would you turn with me to Revelation 16, please? Something I just want to run past you. Revelation chapter 16. In this chapter, we have the, the Lord telling us, let your eye just run down, if you will, please, to verse 17. On the seventh angel, notice the number of the angel. This is the last angel pouring out the plague, as it were, this is symbolic of what is happening in the end or the latter days. From uh, Revelation 16 and verse 12, the sixth angel pours out upon the river Euphrates. The way of the kings of the east is prepared, and we see that is already happening, that China 
and uh, uh, we have North Korea, and we have all of those eastern countries are now being raised up and ready for the battle of that great day of God Almighty. The kings of the east might be prepared. And then notice I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. The dragon, communism, Marxism. Notice out of the mouth of the beast. That is the one world government, monetary government, the one world system of Romanism, the one world system of the European Union. And it says then, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, here we have the false prophet of Muhammad, of Islam. And the Lord says, there were three unclean spirits like frogs come out of them. For they are, notice the spirits of the devils, working miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth, notice, under the whole world, the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Jesus warns the last day church. He warns the people. He's warning our nation. He's warning you and all who will listen this evening. He says, behold, I come as a thief. Now the idea is now he's going to sneak up when we're all sleeping. The idea is that he comes a thief then. Shock and all treatment was he came loud and he made the people go into shock. And he says, I will come and you'll be shocked. This will be a shock and all treatment. Notice, behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. Notice the words, keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked. Notice the terms from Revelation 3. It's echoing right through, and they see his shame. Verse 16, and he gathered them together into the place called, into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Now we go to the seventh angel, the last one at the last days. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of the th- from the throne saying, notice the words, it is done. It is done. It means there's no more angels here. No more vials to be poured out, in other words. This is the climax of the end of the age. This is the climax of the end of time. And it means here, it is done once and for all. It will never be repeated again. And it's the exact same manner in which the Lord Jesus Christ cried from the cross of Calvary when he was bleeding and dying for our sins. He cried as he shed his precious blood. It is finished. And the cross of Christ, the blood of Jesus, speaks throughout time and eternity. And it says it will never be repeated again. One time, once for all, sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ that his blood is more than enough to pay for the debt of all of our sins. Jesus isn't coming back to be slain like a lamb again. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming back with glory and in great power. And he's coming to receive his own people. And notice what he says. It says here, there were voices and thunders and lightnings. There was a great earthquake, such as not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God. What is that Babylon? Mystery religions of Babylon through the ecumenical spirit that we're seeing at the minute. The mystery religions of Babylon through the banking systems that we're seeing at the minute. The mystery religions of Babylon and all the, 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 the military might they're trying to bring together, whether it's in Europe or the United States of America with Canada and South America, they're trying to gather us into conglomerates together because it's easier to control the people when they get them like that. Notice, and they will fall. And then it says, to, God, to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Did you notice that? Did you notice that? I just heard today about a minister that told everybody, unsaved and saved alike, that when Jesus sees us all, he's going to say, you know how much I love you? When Jesus comes, you better be ready. You've got to be saved. You've got to be saved, blood-washed, born again. You must be trusting in the finished work of Christ and in the finished work of Christ alone. You must have been to the foot of the old rugged cross. You must have been there by faith and cried for the blood to wash you and to cleanse you, which Jesus shed for you. And in this day, you must be born again before this time happens. We are living at the time when the seventh angel will pour out his vial and there will be cataclysmic war 
and violence. There's going to be World War III and it's gathering. Is it going to be tonight, Ken? I don't know. Is it going to be next week? I don't know. Is it going to be next month or next year? I don't know. All I know is you got to be ready, friend. You must be ready for this to happen. For when this happens, you must be ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice it says, And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail. Wouldn't you think men would be crying for mercy? God have mercy on me. God be merciful to me, a sinner. And yet even in this day, they're going to be blaspheming the Lord Jesus Christ. For the plague thereof was exceeding great. Notice fierceness of his wrath. Islands fleeing away. In other words, destruction everywhere. And the unsaved. If you die in that state, you'll be damned for all eternity. So it's the seventh angel is pouring out his vial. That's the last angel. The completion of all of it is number seven. Is number seven. And so whenever we look at these things, you know, John records seven miracles of Jesus. Although John also writes that if all the miracles were written in the books, the world couldn't contain the books of the miracles that Jesus had done. But seven miracles. One was the, uh, the, the wedding at Cana, which I mentioned earlier. In fact, that's the first one that is mentioned. So Jesus, in Revelation chapter 3, if you'll turn back with me, he, he calls the end time church the Laodicean church age. Remember, Laodicean is the last and the seventh, the, the very final church, but the very final church age before he comes. That's you. That's me. That's you. That's me. Can I ask you a question, Christian? This isn't a condemnation, I promise you, because we're all having to check our own hearts. How is your love life with God? Then ask you, how religious you were and how much theology in you. How's your love life with Christ? Do you love him? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? When he returns, will you be ashamed of his coming? Notice what he calls here in our reading, Revelation chapter 3. He says in Revelation 3, and just let your eye run down, please, the verse 14. Pardon me, verse 15. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Can you get a, a balanced picture here? Please get a balanced picture. Revelation 16, the fierceness of his wrath. I will spew you out of my mouth. And you know the church are bursting hearts and flowers all over their wee heads. Dear love them. And everything's great. And we're going to lay at ease in Zion. And you know we're just going to waft the heaven in a handbasket whenever the world's going to hell in the hardened cart. fierceness of his wrath. This is Jesus. The Jesus that would never, ever judge anyone. The Jesus that would never, ever speak harsh or, or, or turn anyone away. Know the Jesus that, uh, that is coming and, and he's just going to love everybody. Know that Jesus. Well, that's not the biblical Jesus. The biblical Jesus talks of the fierceness of his wrath. It says when he comes, he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. He says to the church, listen to the church, those professing but maybe not possessing. He says, I will spew you out of my mouth. You're full of works, he says. You're full of religion. Some of them are just full of nonsense. Oh God, please, never let that be said about CET. Please, Lord. 
Notice what he says. So then, because thou art neither lukewarm, thou art lukewarm, pardon me, neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, we have to look at this, these words here, cold or hot. People say, well, you know, well, then I'll do nothing and just be cold and you'll prefer me that way. That's not what it means. That's not what it means. And that's not what Jesus is saying to the church. I'm not just talking about CET. I'm talking about the church universal. But since I'm, the, I'm pastoring, I'm preaching to CET, folks, and all who are here, or all who will listen, folks, that in these last days, we need, we need to go further into God. We need to be deeper in the word. We need to be grounded in the faith because you're going to come up against it. Now, you mark my words. And you might say, well, then I'll just not say anything and I'll hide. Well, then you see Jesus will say, well, where are you? You make me want to spew you out of my mouth. Remember the old song, stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. When's the last time even we sang that? Oh, well, that's just an old tune. You know what it was? It was one to rouse the heart and to rouse the church to get them to stand up, stand up for Christ. In a world that is dying and in a world that has turned against us, in a world that is so vehemently against us, it's even going against us through other religions, in our own land and in our own nation, in our own country. And you and I will be brought before courts and magistrates. That's where you and I are with Christ in these last days. It's whether you'll stand. Or whether you fall. Jesus says, Because thou art neither cold nor hot. You see, in Laodicea, the actual city of Laodicea where the church was, there was a mountain spring, and it was it was refreshingly cold water when it left the mountain spring, and they irrigated down through the city. There was a viaduct came right down, it's still there, I'm told, today in the ruins of Laodicea. And the water came right down the viaduct, and they were well advanced. And here this water came down, but by the time it left the mountain, and it came down through the heat of the day, especially in Turkey where it is today, it started to get lukewarm. And it wasn't refreshingly cold to drink. See, we should be refreshing to a world that's dying. We should be refreshing to a people that are lost, that there's hope in us. I remember one time there was a man, and he was a well-known around our area paramilitary. And, you know, he, was, he, he, uh, he used to come, and I used to get him and all the other ones into my wee flat. We were talking about it last night. And I used to have them at night. And when Wayne Olsen got married, she left the countryside and came nine floors up to this wee flat in Mount Vernon in Belfast. And she used to be praying in the lift because there were so many sort of people in it. She go, Lord, don't let anybody get in the lift. Lord, don't let anybody get in the lift. She was afraid, a wee girl from the country. But what she says, when every time she got out of the lift, thank you, Lord, and she walked in the room, our living room. <laughs> I used to have them in doing, teaching them and telling them about the Lord. There was prostitutes and there was all sorts of people, paramilitaries, and they were all well known. And this one was got saved and he was going on well. And he stood with me one time and he says, uh, he says, Ken, I want to show you. He says, I got a printout of my criminal record. And he stood with it. And he's a big tall fellow. He taller than me. And he held it like that. And he let the paper go. And the ream of paper dropped and didn't ravel at the floor. His criminal record. And he was going on so well. He went into a pub just to talk to his friends, the witness. And he ended up, he took just one drink. And he's talking about Jesus. And they turned to him and they said, if this Jesus you're talking to us about is so good, why are you here drinking that with us? And he fell away. Now listen. He fell away. And men who were paramilitaries came to him, angry at him. You know what they said to him? We thought when you got saved, there was hope for us. But now we realize there's not. Church, where are we? Are we refreshingly cold when men and women look at you and look at me and say, you know, if, somebody can save, if the Lord can save somebody like Ken Davidson, surely there's hope for me. When you speak to them, you're refreshing to them. 
Let me tell you about the grace of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about him coming and digging me out of the dunghill and setting me among princes. Imagine someone like me. In the last days, rather, what we're saying is, you know what? It's all right to stay in your sin, and it's all right to get on the way you do, and it's okay to reject Jesus because he's going to love us all. And he doesn't. The fierceness of his wrath. I spew thee out of my mouth. I'm coming with a rod of iron. For those who are not saved. By the time the water got down, it was warm, lukewarm. It's good for nothing. It's good for nothing. Jesus takes that from that city and he writes the letter, the risen Christ, through the pen of John in the Isle of Patmos, he writes the letter. Because you are lukewarm, you make me sick. That's what he says. Church, can I ask you, please, I I search my own heart. This is not to anybody in particular. It's not to any church or anyone else in particular. I'm talking to all of us. I'm talking to me. I mean, how far are we from the apostolic deaths? How far have we fallen away from the days when men and women were sold out completely for Christ and we were willing to give all that we had and do all that we could. Uh, They were willing to lay down their lives right even unto the death to follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. But now it's, you know what, we'll all get together and we'll all worship together because you can worship your God and I'll worship my God and you'll pray to your saints and I'll go straight to the throne room of grace and it's all, let's all get together into merry little bunch and Christ says, wherefore come ye out from among them? And be separate. God calls us to be separate. Not either with the world or devilish ecumenical worship. So, how far have we come? I check my own heart, check my own spirit. And he says, Because thou art lukewarm, notice. He says, you make me sick. He says, you make me sick, Leo, the same church. Notice what the Lord Jesus says here in Revelation 3 and verse 17. Because thou sayest, he's talking to you and I or the church in general, he says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and of need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. In other words, they, they had their... They were known for their banking system, as I told you last week. They were known for their gold reserve. They were known, they were a rich, rich city and a rich, rich church because they had all these wonderful wealths and comforts and, and they laid at ease, as it were, in Zion in them. And God and Christ says, you know, you're rich. You're saying you're rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing. They had the, the textile industries there. They were rich because of that. And so Jesus takes these similes, the spices and the, and the ointments that came through there from one city and one country to another, they were rich. We don't need God. Notice the words here, thou knowest not. See the word thou? You underline that in your Bible and write below it emphatic. Emphatic. In the original text, this is emphatic. Let me read it the way it may be read in Revelation 3 and 17, because thou sayest, notice he says, because thou sayest, that's where it reads. You're saying this. Notice this. The Lord is saying lukewarm, and this is what I've written, spiritless, Christless, condition of the church Jesus says you are saying you don't need me I hope there's none here tonight saying I don't need him I don't need him notice the reply of the Lord Jesus and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind 
and naked. Notice five adjectives to describe the church. First of all, wretched. And this is the way that we read in the original text. You are, you are saying, but I'm saying to you, you're the wretched ones. That's the way it reads. You're the wretched ones. Church, before my return, get your act together because you're wretched. You're miserable. Do you know what it means? Pitiable. One especially to be pitied. It doesn't mean, oh dear, help you. It gives the idea of our condition. And poor. These are the words of Christ, not mine. Gentle Jesus, make in mind. It's a bit different here, isn't it? Poor is the word focus, and it means destitute. Listen, destitute of wealth, of Christian virtues, and eternal welfare. Jesus says, see this end time, church. You're destitute of everything that takes you to my glory. Naked. It means exposed. You ready? To the eyes of God. Uncovered. You're unhidden. Your sin and your nakedness go hand in hand. Jesus says, ready? You're the wretched ones. You're pitiable. That's the way it reads. You're pitiable. You're poor. You're without virtue or anything of eternal wealth. Your sin I see and your nakedness shows it hand in hand. This is, remember, the end time church. This is the church we're in today. This is the church we're living in. Listen to an old Puritan called John Milton. He says, we read not that Christ ever exercised force but once. And that was to drive profane ones out of the temple and not to force them into it. Think about that. Christ drove them out. I mean, we're always saying, come to church and we're glad to see you. Full house, great. We're here, we're here to, to try and win souls and it's fantastic. We love to see you. But Christ said, or the Puritan said, Christ drove them out of the temple, remember that? There are those who will profess Christ, but they don't possess Christ. And you can dress up in as much garments, you can put on your big Dagon fish miner hat that height, with a big fish's mouth on the end of it, that's Dagon the fish god, and you can get your big rod and the big shepherd's crook, and you can have it on, you have the special ring in your finger, you can put on your ruby slippers if you want. And you can walk through it all, taking the praise of man, declaring yourself that you are the Papa, the God on the earth. But you're Christless, he says. You're Christless. So, it says Christ drives them out of the temple. How different, brothers and sisters, how different is Christ's estimate of men to that they have of themselves? After reading this, just the scriptures, we're rich and increased with good and of need of nothing. But I say unto thee that thou art, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. The, the estimate of man is, I'm not bad. You know, we're rich, we're all right, sure. If we're prosperous, we looked at it last week, if we're prosperous, well, surely we belong to God because of money. Because look at the size. We're taking over stadiums. Look at the size of it. Listen, I have nothing against it. If the gospel's being preached, all for it. Rich and increased with good and of need of nothing. Look at us. We, we're, we're able to rake in multi-million pounds a year. And you know, if you sow into our ministry, we'll send you a bottle of Miracle Spring Water and watch how your hair grows. <laughs> Sorry, Richard. <laughs> 
this is what we're hearing. There's a woman stood just recently in front of a congregation and said that she'd just been caught up to heaven and she's just come down again to tell everybody what Jesus thinks and loves them all. She's a liar. Sorry, folks. I'm straight down the pipe, you know me. Straight down the pipe. Notice how different is Christ's estimate of men to that which men have of themselves. Where do you stand if you're not saved? You know, I'm not bad. I'm a decent person. You may well be. Look, honestly, we're not we having no problem with that. That's good. But where are you with Christ? Because you may estimate yourself that you're good. You know what the scripture says? There is none good. No, not one. That's save Christ alone. Notice, so he gives us counsel. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Three things. Gold tried in the fire. And remember they had the gold standard of banking. Secondly, white raiment. Raymond, that's the righteousness of Christ. And they had tax died. So he's taken that from the, end time, or the, the literal church at Laodicea. And I shall, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the unction. And he's saying, look, there's more in me. Forget about those things. Forget about those religious ways. Forget about the vestments. Forget about all those wonderful big highfalutin titles and all those things that men are looking for. Forget about the riches of this world and the wealth that it has to, uh, to offer you, which really lets you down. He says, if you come to me, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. He says, I will put you uh, into such a place of faith that your, your faith is like pure gold. You know what the problem is? The church doesn't want that faith. You know why? Because you have to go through the fire. You have to go through the fire. White raiment, his righteousness. Thank the Lord he has given us his righteousness. And I saw, well, we have the Holy Ghost. These unsearchable riches of Christ should be for every man and woman to seek after and to strive Let's just look at Christ's call to the end time church. He sends an offer out. Revelation 3 and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. Here is the Lord's invitation to the end time church. Whether it be Established church in, in England, of England, whether it be those who are in Rome, whether it be those who are charismatic or Pentecost, he's saying, Look, see if you want the reality of it, it's not all around here. He says, You must come to me. It's only in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And although it speaks of fellowship, this speaks of fellowship for you and I also, if we receive. Christ into the fellowship. I thank the Lord, you know, we're a Pentecostal church, unashamed, unashamed. We're a Pentecostal church. We're not a charismaniac church, but we're a Pentecostal church. And I'll tell you, we're so glad that the Lord moves and speaks to our church. He's not outside the door here. And we want to keep it that way. Notice this. And though he speaks with, about fellowship, if any man... Hear my voice and will open the door. I will come in with him and sup with him and he with me. No, he's speaking about fellowship now. You can have fellowship with Jesus now. Right now, tonight, get saved if you're not saved. Born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood. If you're fallen away, come back to him and he'll bring you into fellowship. He'll sit and he'll sup with him and you, he with you in the Spirit. But I want to show you something else because I believe this points to the last time, church. And his return again in his kingdom. For example, in Luke 22 and verse 16, the Lord Jesus is instituting what we call the Last Supper. And just the one verse for time's sake, he says, He breaks the bread and then he drinks from the cup and he offers it to his disciples and he sets the Last Supper. And then he says, For I, will, I say unto you, I will not eat 
and eat thereof, any more thereof, pardon me, until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So in the spirit, we can have fellowship with Christ, but literally to have fellowship with Christ, uh, that is the Son of God. We will have it when he returns. And now we're in the end time, Laodicean church age, right now. Whenever he comes, I don't know. But he says, you want to be in fellowship with me? You want to be in kingdom with me? When you're saved, we will have fellowship one with another. We will sit down and we will talk, as it were, together. Will you turn with me to Matthew chapter 22? Matthew chapter 22. Verse 1. Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Notice, they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed. All things are ready. Come on to the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. And when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. Notice the king was wroth. Sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready. But they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. Bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Now notice here's a wedding to come. Jesus is speaking here to the Jews who would turn him away or turn from him. Would cry, crucify him. And A.D. 70 says their city is destroyed. A.D. 70, Titus, the Roman prince, came, destroyed their city. That's why Jesus says there in verse 7, But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. He sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Speaking of Jerusalem here. Speaking of him, then he goes into the heavens. Jerusalem is destroyed. The Jews were scattered. And now he says about the wedding, go and bid others. The gospel goes forth to the lost sheep, the house of Israel. And notice this, what it says. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. So all that they preached to and came to Christ were coming into the wedding feast. Notice verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment and he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And they had said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Do you know what that really is saying? There's people, whether they're listening now or will listen later to this, or you're sitting here, God is calling. Christ is calling you. Many are called, but few are chosen. Oh, you'll hear with the ear, but those who are in Christ, those who are Christ, those sheep will hear his voice. My sheep, what does he say? Hear my voice, and I know them, and they, what is it? They will follow me. Those of you who have been teaching of the key of prophecy and the parables will see what is written in there. And notice this. Here Jesus says, everything's ready. What's ready? Jesus has died for you. Christ went up Calvary's hill, was nailed to the cross, shed his own precious blood. Everything was ready and is ready. All you need to do is come. And he says, in that day, those who are saved will be in the wedding supper or the marriage supper, in the wedding feast. And you will sit, he says, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will 
come in with him and sup with him and he with me. Do you want to be clothed in white sitting at his table? The marriage supper of the Lamb of God? I can tell you, I want to be there. I want to be there. And by his grace, I will be there. I'm closing. Thank you for your attention. It's marvelous. In Revelation 3 and 20 is the invite. And then it closes. Jesus called to the end time church. This is for you. Revelation 3. And let your eye go to the very last three verses. Behold, I stand at the door knock. Verse 20. If any man hear my voice and open the door. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Notice to him that overcometh. Oh, we're overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's part of it, yeah. That's finished what it says. Not here, but in, in that verse, because people would rhyme that. Oh, we're overcoming by the blood. Oh, your sins are washed completely in the blood, absolutely without a doubt. But overcoming in the faith is something different. They overcame him by the, that is the devil, by the blood of the Lamb. By the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives even unto the death. If you're not under the blood, you don't have a testimony. If you don't have a testimony, you're not loving Christ, you're loving your life. Notice what it says here though. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. And I'm sat down with my Father in his throne. Here is the last call of Christ to the last day church, or the church of the end times. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Revelation chapter 1. John sees seven golden candlesticks. Seven golden candlesticks represent the seven churches. Jesus is walking in the midst of them. Revelation chapter 3, at the end time church where we are before his second coming, he's put outside the door. Behold, I stop at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I'll open the door. I will come in with him. And I will sup with him. And he with me. Here's the call. He that hath an ear to hear. That's not just this ear. It means the inner ear. Let him hear. What the Spirit saith to the churches. What the Spirit is saying to this end time church. What the Spirit's saying here tonight. And what the Spirit says to all who may hear and listen tonight, hear what the Spirit's saying. Jesus is saying, let me in. Let me in. And let me speak for CET. Lord, we want you to come and stay. We want you in CET. We want you to move in our midst. Lord, we want you to speak and to move and have the preeminence, Lord Jesus. We want your spirit here moving in power and glory, Lord. We don't want you outside any door, the door of the heart of any man or of any woman, and we certainly do not want you outside the door of CET in Guildford, Northern Ireland. We don't want you standing outside saying, let me in! Churches are dying all over the country, and they're putting in entertainment in this place of the Holy Ghost. That's the truth. Entertainment in the place of the Holy Ghost. And you know what it does? It heightens the senses. It heightens the five senses of the human existence of the body. And they drink it all in and they say, this entertainment is wonderful. Everything's professional. I don't want professional. I want Jesus. I don't want professional. Listen, see the songs we sang tonight, but didn't even practice them. You know why? Because if we get too professional, and it's good to practice, by the way, but we get too professional... We're relying on ourselves. 
this place is relying on none other than the Holy Ghost and the Lord Jesus Christ to be in our midst. See, T, whoever listens, see, no matter what's happening, I've said it, I know you are maybe tired of me saying it, and you are maybe sick to hear me saying it, uh, and there's people even outside of this church have talked to me this week about these things that I'm saying. I am not perfect. I'm far from it. But I can tell you, my heart's for Christ. My heart's for his kingdom. I'm looking. I'm watching. I'm praying. And I'm waiting. And I'll keep on preaching it. And I'm just hoping that you just keep coming to hear it. But I'll tell you, CET, listen. He is coming. Church, arise. Church, arise. We're so used to the clock in. And then, you know what? We'll turn up one meeting or we'll, we'll, we'll turn up to some event and we think it's maybe, or we'll turn up to a Christmas t- time show or, 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 or we, a wee play or, or at Easter time or whatever you want to call it. And they turn up to all of those things and say, aren't you, aren't you grateful, oh God? Look at my uh, time I've spent in your presence. CT, every time, this place is called Christ Encounters for a reason. Because every time we come in here, we're not playing at games. We don't want games. Please don't come in to play games. We're here to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to meet with him, that he will sup with us, and we will sup with him. Dark days are coming. Don't want to scare you. Hard times are coming. Turning against the church. And you know what? See, to be honest, see most of them. Not, pardon me, I don't want to say that. See many. There's many places, and if they were tried for being a Christian, they wouldn't be found guilty. Do you know that? Be found not guilty. Is there people in your work that don't even know you're saved? Is there? So people that you meet every day and you're afraid to tell them I belong to Christ. Don't be afraid. Matter the cost. Stand up. Stand up. And be counted for the glory of the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for your attention.